0: Up quick at about noon, and welcome into the Wednesday, May 27th edition of the podcast with Damien Barling, presented by Vibe Health Bar with three locations in East Sacramento, Oak Park, and Folsom. You can get your superfood smoothies, your acai bowls, your organic cold pressed juices uh, at any of those three locations, and of course, they're still available through your favorite uh, delivery app as well. So thankful you decided to tune in today. Uh, Jordan and Isaiah Thomas won't leave the news. Vince McMahon is not trying to buy the XFL. That was my favorite rumor that turns out not to be true. I'll give you the details on that. What Dame Lillard had to say uh, that's gotten a lot of people's attention. As a matter of fact, let's start there. Not particularly with Dame Lillard, but about the NBA, because we've got to talk about the NBA and, and, and rumored plans that are out there regarding their return. Uh, we've got to talk about the NHL, who made more of not quite a concrete announcement, but... They gave some pretty firm details about what a return to their season would look like. And Major League Baseball continues to fall all over itself. So those are some of the stories uh, that we got here today. Let's start uh, with the NBA. There is a, uh, as part of the uh, general manager survey that went out in recent days, there's talks of uh, perhaps having uh, the 16 current playoff teams. We're talking about having some sort of group stage. Uh, group stages that involved 20 teams, with the 16 current playoff teams being able to qualify for group stage, plus the four teams with the next best records. Those, coincidentally, are all in the Western Conference. Those include the Portland Trail Blazers, the New Orleans Pelicans, your Sacramento Kings, and the San Antonio Spurs. Now, the survey sent to each general manager over the weekend noted that tiers would first be created using the regular season standings to ensure competitive balance between the groups. Groups could then be randomly drawn with one team from each tier going into each group. The NBA is working on approaches to fairly balance the grouping, such as limiting each group to only three Western Conference teams, according to uh, multiple front office sources: uh, Drawings for the group stage could be televised. Oh, there's more television content uh, as an alternative to having groups randomly selected. Multiple league sources say the league has considered allowing Tier One teams, which include the Bucks, Lakers, Raptors, and Clippers, to draft their own groups. Oh, that's interesting. Teams would play opponents within their own groups twice, meaning every team would play eight games. The two teams in each group uh, with the best record would move on. Okay, so as it stands, the tiers would look as such. Tier 1, as we just mentioned, would be the Bucs, Lakers, Raptors, and Clippers. Tier 2 would include the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Jazz, and the Heat. That's two Eastern Conference teams and two Western Conference teams, uh, just like Tier 1 was. Um, tier 3, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Pacers, and the 76ers. Again, that's two and two. Tier 4, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Nets, and the Magic. Again, two each conference. And then you've got Tier 5, good old Tier 5, the afterthoughts. where you have got the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, the Kings, and the Spurs all sitting with basically identical records uh, near the bottom of the, well, near the bottom of the Western Conference playoff Standings uh, Certainly not near the bottom of the standings. Uh, teams like, gosh, would that only eliminate Minnesota? That would eliminate Minnesota, Phoenix, and Golden State. They would be the only teams eliminated uh, from the Western Conference. But that that is a proposal uh, that has gone out, I guess, as part of, or maybe not necessarily a proposal. That has gone out as an option as part of this GM survey that went out, I believe it was over the weekend. I don't get it, man. It This feels so freaking simple to me. 16 teams start the playoffs. Like, what do we, I need, I need some insight as to what the actual concern is, is, are, are we worried about, are we worried about regional television dollars? Cause we have no outline as to how that is going to work. Is that what we're concerned about? Are we looking at a way of creating more games? Are we looking at a way for creating more content? With uh, NHL solely trying to, work, trying to work things back. They don't have a major television deal anyways. At least not in America. They have regional television deals. But I don't think they have a... I don't, they're not on ESPN anymore, are they? They don't have like a big Sunday night on the ice deal. So I, you know, and and then you've got, you know, baseball can't get their act together. So if we're talking about creating television content, we're talking about perhaps getting more money from our television partners, which I think that money has already been paid. Or maybe you're talking about satisfying your television partners more. Is is that what we're talking about? Or are we just talking about like a fair competitive balance thing for all of the teams in the NBA? Because to me, let's go into what Dame Lillard said here real quick, because this is going to play nicely into what we're talking about. Dame Lillard said, let me just give you the quote right out the gate. Uh, If we come back and they're just like, we're adding a few games to finish the regular season and they're throwing us out there for meaningless games and we don't have a true opportunity to get in the playoffs, I'm going to be with my team because I'm a part of the team. But I'm not going to be participating. I'm telling you that right now. That's, that's, that's That's an interesting take in a lot of ways. So what Dame Lillard is saying is, He's going to fly to the bubble, wherever the bubble may be. He's going to be around his teammates, but he's just not going to play. What? And granted, I I don't fault Dame Lillard for wanting to come back and play meaningless games or not wanting to come back and play meaningless games. But if there were five games left in the regular season and the, the, the trailblazers were eliminated, does Dame just go, all right, I'm good. I'm not playing anymore. And I understand that there is a lengthy layoff. I I I understand Dame's concerns. But if if you're not gonna participate, stay your ass at home. Like what what is the point? What's the point in going to say, yo, I'm gonna be with my team because I'm a part of the team, but I'm not gonna play? I don't expect that type of punk crap from Dame Lillard. I'm gonna go be a I'm I'm gonna be with my team because I'm a part of the team, but I'm not participating. That's weak. I understand what Dame is saying, though. I completely either give us a legitimate chance to make the playoffs or don't ask her to come back. I 100% agree with that. It should be all or nothing. And I don't know what Dame Lillard considers a legitimate chance. They're three and a half games from the playoffs, uh, from, from the eighth seed, they're three and a half games back, just like the Sacramento Kings are. They're 29 and 37 right now. That's not a pre- and let's, let's stop with all of this, by the way, when we're talking about the Kings and we're talking about the, 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 the trailblazers or the Spurs or, or the Pelicans or whoever, we're talking about teams that are in the vicinity of 29 and 37 newsflash Kings fans, newsflash Dame Lillard, Pelicans Spurs. You don't deserve to make the playoffs. You're that far under 500. You had that much opportunity, but Dame has an explanation here. We had fought ourselves back into position. By the way, this is a quote. We had fought ourselves back into position to get a spot. We had our starting center, our starting power forward coming back. So we had a lot to look forward to, and for great reason. Now, they're healthy... Have extra time to train and rehab while everybody's rusty. Of course, because nobody is training except for uh, Yusef Nurchik and Zach Collins. Of course, everybody else is rusty, but they're healthy. I continue uh, more from Dame Lillard's quote. So now uh, they won't be coming back. Uh, so, so now they won't be coming back as the only rusty players. If everybody's rusty, we can come in here and beat everybody. Okay. Stop it, Dame. Just stop it. All of that. Just knock it off. That is, that is freaking foolishness. Knock it off. Everything about what Dame Lillard had to say about, to, to Yahoo was weak, with the lone exception being, we either have a legitimate chance to, to come back and make the playoffs or don't send us back. I'm 100% with that. I don't think they should go back, period. But I asked Dame Lillard this. What is a legitimate chance? You're three and a half games back. Do you want a full 82-game slate? Because that ain't going to happen. Do you want 70 games, 72 games? What number gets you comfortable? What number makes you think? You said you were going to come out there and beat everybody. Three and a half games, you got to catch up on Memphis. You're not going to play Memphis four times. So you need Memphis to lose on the way. That's another thing that has cracked me up about all of this. Everybody in the Western Conference, at least below that eight seed, has just expected Memphis to crap the bed and not make the playoffs. Like these teams that are 29 and 37 are going to suddenly get the job done after not being able to get the job done for 60-some-odd games. It's crazy. That's That's silly. But Dame Lillard does have a point about, well, everybody's rusty. I don't know what he's talking about about his guys being, you know, ready to go. But, okay, Memphis comes in. Memphis played really well at the start of the season. They died, you know, towards the latter portion of it. So, which is more indicative of where Memphis is? Are they that team that kind of fizzled? Or are they the team that started hot? When the restart happens, would the Grizzlies be a team that was hot or would they be the team that fizzled? We get an idea that the Pelicans would probably be hot because, you know, they played a big portion of the season without Zion Williamson, they were starting to make their run. The Kings were playing pretty well before the uh, before the pandemic shut everything down. The Kings were playing well, they had reason for optimism. I mean, I really would have liked to have seen I really would have liked that March 11th game to have been scheduled for March 10th. That was going to be a hell of a measuring stick for the Sacramento Kings into determining whether they had a real shot at competing for that eighth spot in the playoffs if they were able to to get a W on Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans at the Golden One Center. So I'm more of the mindset, all of this group stage, you hear what Dame Lillard had to say. How about, you know what, here's what Mark Cuban had to say. Mark Cuban has suggested a plan to the NBA league office that would include all 30 NBA teams playing five to seven regular season games before a play in tournament to determine the final two playoff seeds. Uh, Cuban uh, says it's a must for all 30 teams to participate in the resumption of the season because of the financial impact of fulfilling local television contracts. So, I, I we we suspected that we talked about that. Uh, they're not going to be able to fulfill their deals, but it's more money coming in. I understand that. So if that now that's Cubans. Uh, that that's 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 Cubans' reason for all of this happening. Is that the league's reason? Is that the, the universal belief? We have to get all 30 teams here. We've got to get uh, regular season games played because we've got to fulfill uh, these local television deals. If that's the case, if Mark Cuban's belief, you know, if Mark Cuban talking about the financial impact of fulfilling these uh, local television contracts runs across the league, then just bring every team back and play 70, 72 games. 70, 72, 74, whatever. Can't play 82. You just don't have the freaking time. But get another 10 or so games in. Get another 10 or 12 games in. Why are we coming up? Why? So let me finish what Mark Cuban's proposal was. Uh, Cuban's proposal, the top 10 teams from each conference would qualify for the postseason and then be reseeded based on record. There would be two play-in matchups, either single games or a best-of-three series, pitting uh, seeds 17 versus 20 and 18 versus 19. The winners would advance to play the 15th and 16th seeds for the final spots in the playoff bracket. Now, the only teams uh, that would be eliminated, there are only two teams that would be eliminated in this entire scenario, and that's the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Golden State Warriors because they don't have a mathematical possibility of qualifying for the postseason under this proposal. Now, I, I, know, I, I know that sounds weird. It caught me off guard, too. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the Atlanta Hawks, they're the teams at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. They're only four games behind the 10th-place Charlotte, Horn- Charlotte Hornets. And Mark Cuban even acknowledged that his Dallas Mavericks, they would be put in a vulnerable position in this play-in scenario, because right now, despite their 40-27 and 27 record, they're the seventh seed. So this puts them in, a, in, a, in, a, in an interesting spot. They're seven games ahead of the 8th place Memphis Grizzlies. So I've given you all of that. Those are, those are all of the news and notes that have come out uh, about the NBA uh, since the podcast yesterday morning. Why? I ask you. Chime in. 916-888-5898. Why are we making this so difficult? If what Mark Cuban says here that it's important for all 30 teams to participate in the resumption of the NBA season because of the financial impact it has on fulfilling local television contracts, then let's figure out the amount of games that we can play in the condensed amount of time that we have. Find out, like, one of the questions on the GM survey was uh, how how late into the year are you comfortable at ending the season? Like, I think uh, Labor Day was an option, which... You know, kind of seems silly. Uh, October was in there somewhere. Memor- uh, not Memorial Day. Uh, November, like first week in November, that was in there somewhere, like for the last game of the NBA Finals to be played. Are you comfortable with the, the the last game of the Finals being in November? Figure out what that date is and then work from there. Figure out what the this is. Game seven. This is a potential game seven of the NBA Finals right here, and then work backwards. Are we running seven-game series through the whole stretch of the playoffs? I believe that you should. My feeling in all of this is change as little as possible. If you want to implement changes, if you want to tinker around with stuff, and we talked about this yesterday, you're going to be playing without the benefit of home court fans for a long time. You're going to be playing without the benefit of home court fans at least – for the start, at the very best case scenario, for the start of next season. Why not implement changes this offseason so you know what they are going into the season? I don't like this reseeding stuff. Don't reseed teams. Don't make, don't make uh, uh, the path for the Los Angeles Clippers tougher. Don't make the path for the, for, for the, the, the Toronto Raptors or the, or, or the Boston Celtics. Don't make it more difficult. You've planned for something. All year. You've planned for something through 60 games. You've tried to achieve goals. Okay, we're not going to be able to be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Let's make sure we get this number two spot, though. Let's get this number two spot in the Eastern Conference. And while no one acknowledges it publicly, they look at matchups. I don't want to play. Uh, Orlando in the first round, but we'll play Miami. I don't want to play Miami in the first round, but we'll play Orlando. I'm not saying that teams tank. I'm saying they look at this stuff. I'm not saying they intentionally lose games to influence playoff matchups. I'm saying that they look at this stuff and they pay attention to it. They pay attention to where matchups are. Certainly finishing at the top of a conference, whether it's number one or number two, you're thinking about home court advantage uh, as late into the playoffs as you can get. That's not a factor anymore. That doesn't mean you have to blow up the entire playoff system. If you want to blow up the system, if you want to experiment, do it next year. Just get the league started. Change as little as possible. Be simplistic. Get the league started. Let's get through, you know, we're talking about eight seeds, like, really, and now we're, now we're talking about we're worried about the feelings of the Portland Trailblazers and the New Orleans Pelicans and the Kings and, and, and all of these teams and maybe the Washington Wizards, too. I, I don't know. Worried about these teams who won't get the benefit. They won't get the money for two home games in the first round of the playoffs. And we're asking them to go take a shot at the top seeds in the conference. Fine, I'm with that. Let's orchestrate it, though, the way you always orchestrate it, through regular season games. Set the end date. Work backwards. Are we doing seven-game series throughout the playoffs, even the first round? Yes? Great. Work backwards. Keep working backwards. Okay, now we've got the start of the playoffs. How much time does that give us for regular season games? My feeling is I mean how many are left like they're less than twenty, right? How about a minimum of ten at the very minimum ten regular season games that doesn't give uh that doesn't give golden State a chance to to get in that doesn't give some of these other teams a, a chance to get in you, you know maybe phoenix maybe mathematically they have a chance but let's give 10 games 10 games is a good number let's let's go from there work backwards like I, not everybody has the same record i'm looking at the you know the grizzlies were 32 and 33 that's 65 games that leaves us with what 17 regular season games left okay Let's, 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 let's play with the number a little bit. See if we can get 10 or 12 regular season games. And, 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 and that's a, that's generically speaking. What I should say is let's see if we can get to, uh, maybe let's see they're at 65. Let's see if we can get to 75. Let's see if we can get there. 75 regular season games. That means 75 regular season games for everybody. Because, you know, looking at the Portland Trailblazers right now, they've played one more game than the, than the Grizzlies have. So not everybody is going to have the same exact amount of games to come back. It's like, okay, once we get to 75 games, now we're talking we're just seven games short of what the regular season is. If we miss four months and we get to seven games short of what the regular season is, that is a phenomenal accomplishment by the NBA and its Board of Governors and its players and freaking everybody involved. That is an extraordinary accomplishment. If you've got to cut it to 70, then this is where guys like, I mean, how many people feel like Dame Lillard feels? If the number is cut to 70, suddenly the, the trailblazers are only coming back and playing three games or four games. And they, you know, they got to make up four games. They got to make up three and a half games with, with four games to go. That's not going to happen. So what's Dame do? Show up at the bubble and just not play? How many other players show up at the bubble and not play? And what is the benefit to those guys? Like, what is, they, like, what would the, I, I just don't, I, I just don't get that line. Like, I'm a part of the team. I'm going to be there. I'm just not going to participate. Like, you're exposing yourself to, you know, you're, you're putting yourself at a greater risk, I should say, for this virus, which means you're putting yourself at a greater risk of getting this virus and taking it home. Why bother? Stay at the house. Call the squad. Hey, I ain't doing it. Staying home. And I wonder, you know, in the midst of all of this, regardless of whatever the NBA manages to come up with over the course of the next few weeks, are there players? Is there a 14th guy on the roster, a 13th, 12th, 11th guy on the roster who goes, man, nah, y'all just keep my prorated money. I'm not keep my playoff money or or whatever. I'm just not, I'm not going to do this. I'm not coming. I got small kids at home. My mother-in-law lives with me. My mom lives with me. Like, I, I want to be able to be around my family. I don't want to quarantine for, for weeks and months at a time. Like, I'm good. Y'all go ahead. Are there going to be players? How about this? Are there going to be marquee players? Well, we know that there aren't going to be, you know, anybody who was involved in the superstar call. But is there a big name who just says, no, nah, I'm not doing it? And what if there are, does Steph not show up? Steph, like now, that doesn't strike me as Steph's personality, but that doesn't strike me as Dame Lillard's personality either. The Stephs just go like this is silly. Does Steve Kerr tell Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and those guys, this is this is dumb? We'll run our G League, the equivalent of our G League out there. Go on, we're good. It's the off season. I mean, Steve Kerr already said that. Steve Kerr's like, it feels like the off season. We're operating as if the off season. We just. We don't, we, there's not, there's only so much scouting that we could do. We have no idea where we're picking. We pretty much got to, you know, scout everybody, but we got to do it through a limited amount of film. We don't have a tournament to go through. Like there are so, there, it, it feels like because we, you know, part the no, no pun intended here, we're in a bubble. We're in the sports bubble. And it feels like with all of this talk, with all of these announcements that we're really close, there is a lot that has to be worked out. Not to just get play resumed, but what's next for the teams who either don't resume play or their season comes to an end? Like, what's the next order of business for the Sacramento Kings? Scouting. Okay, great. Where are they drafting? They have no idea because the draft lottery hasn't taken place. The draft lottery hasn't taken place because we don't know if the regular season is over or not. And the draft lottery can't take place till we know if the regular season is over or not. And then once the regular season is over and we've determined when the end of the regular season will be and we're into the playoffs, then, then we can have the NBA draft. And with that comes, okay, great. We've had the NBA draft. We've crowned an NBA champion. When the hell does the next season start? Does it start in 2020? Does it start in December? Is Christmas day now opening day? Does it start in 2021? Does it start in a bubble? Are there now multiple bubbles? Does it start in Las Vegas for the Western Conference? Does it start in Orlando in the Eastern Conference? Are we now asking teams to quarantine instead of, you know, asking playoff teams to quarantine for a couple of months with a shot at an NBA championship? Are we now asking teams to quarantine long-term through an 82-game season? Is the NBA hell-bent on having an 82-game season? Are they concerned about shrinking it more and the lost revenue? I said this to you. I have no idea when. I've lost track. But I know we talked about the NBA is going to want to avoid shrinking next season even more for reasons that Mark Cuban laid out about why they want to play as many games as possible or why they want to have uh, all 30 teams participating in the resumption of the season. And that's local television deals. The local television deals kick into place. That means teams like the Sacramento Kings who are set to furlough 34% of their staff in just a couple of days means they might not have to do that. Or they might not have to do as much. Instead of 34%, maybe it's 10%. And Hey, it sucks no matter what, no matter, you know, it's just a, it's just a reality right now. It's a horrible, horrible reality with, Unemployment approaching forty million, with uh, you know furloughs being handed out, you know across uh, you know major and small companies, some of our favorite local businesses closing because they can't get small business loans. It's the horrible reality that this virus has put upon us over the course of the last several months, and you know you see businesses opening, you see people wiling out at beaches, uh, you see people pulling sand out of, a, out of a, a skate park and all of this ridiculous stuff that happens, and I just go back to what Dr. Fauci said months ago. If we're not careful, we're going to go through this all again in the fall. And the NBA can't afford that to happen. The NFL can't afford that to happen. And whatever the NHL's plans are. The NHL laid out a pretty nice deal. There were the you know, the the, the bleacher report alerts, the NHL though the became the, the, the largest American sports league to announce a plan to return after the COVID-19 outbreak. Yeah. That's not exactly what happened. I mean, it is, but it isn't. Much like the NBA, they still have a very, very long way to go. What they did announce, though, is they're not. You know, they're not trying to figure out group stages. They're not trying to figure out, you know, play in tournaments. They're not doing all of that. They've got that laid out, and they're going straight to the playoffs. The NHL regular season is over. Instead of going with the traditional 16 teams, they're going to go with 24. All right. They've got their plans. However, as of right now, they don't have a return date. They don't have a return date to get back to action. They don't have a return date for the start of the playoffs. They have phases here that they're working with. They said uh, that they would like to set a date for its return. They said it's not going to be any sooner than July 1st. And they've also said that they would uh, uh, like games to be held in hub cities, plural. Uh, I guess originally there was a conversation about potentially uh, four Hub cities uh, that has been narrowed down to two. Refocusing uh, um, uh, just on the number of teams that are that are in the playoffs and and splitting it between these two hub cities. Uh, Commissioner Bettman said Chicago is a possibility, Columbus, uh, Dallas, Edmonton. Huh, it's probably something to discuss there. Las Vegas, Los Angeles. Gosh, that feels like there's something to discuss there as well. Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, uh, Toronto, and Vancouver. So I mentioned Toronto, Vancouver, and Edmonton. Just want to make sure, Mister Bettman, you cleared this with Canada. <laughs> like Canada's cool with 24 hockey teams. You know, I hey, I know Canadians love hockey, but I also know that uh, entrance into Canada requires, I, I believe it's 14 day quarantine. Uh, I just, I just. You guys cleared this with these guys, right? Los Angeles seems absolutely freaking insane. You're going to bring, let's say, instead of uh, 24, you're going to bring 12 hockey teams to Los Angeles? Chicago seems ridiculous as well, though I haven't heard the same type of COVID outbreak in Chicago. It's still just a massively populated city, just like Dallas. Las Vegas? Makes sense. Las Vegas, a lot of tourists there. Tourists aren't there. I don't think they are. I mean, the casinos aren't open, right? Or they're opening slowly. Las Vegas works. I've always thought Las Vegas has worked as a sports hub. And our belief is, uh, at least from what it sounds like, it's it's been ruled out of anything that involves the NBA. So NHL, jump on that one. Who's the second one? Well, if Canada will take the NHL, cool. That, that, that's a perfect fit. Pittsburgh, Minneapolis, okay? Columbus, I think, would make a a, a perfect spot. Dallas seems like another one of those difficult, you know, really difficult populated areas. But if it works, all right. I don't feel like it does. I don't feel like Los Angeles works. I don't feel like 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 Dallas works. And I don't feel like Chicago works. I would go Columbus and Los Angeles. Uh, excuse me. I would go Columbus and Las Vegas. Um, much like the NBA, the hubs have would w- would have uh, secure arenas, uh, hotels and practice facilities, and there would be aggressive COVID-19 testing and protocols at each site. Now, it's important to note with the NHL and the NBA, no now we have heard the term aggressive testing as it pertains to both organizations resuming sports. What we have not heard is, or I should say resuming their respective leagues. Uh, What we have not heard is, what does that mean? What does aggressive testing mean? And, and I use this as an example. I know it's different, but it's not. The WWE. The WWE tells the public that they have aggressive testing as it pertains to their performers, as it pertains to their television tapings that they do at their performance center in Florida. When the fact is, they don't. They don't have aggressive COVID-19 testing. And from what I understand, as reported by Dave Meltzer, they don't have any COVID-19 testing. What they have is they have a temperature check for every single person who enters the uh, facility, whether it be uh, a wrestler or now a, uh, a performance center trainee who acts as an audience member, a referee or a talent, whether on camera or off camera. They have a temperature check and uh, they're asked about their symptoms. Specifically, they're asked if they had any symptoms. How do you feel? Uh, how was your night? Uh, breathing okay. Uh, take your temperature. You're normal. You're in there. They call that aggressive testing. That's 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 what they re- referred to it prior to WrestleMania 36. It's not. That's not the same. That's not even. That's I guess you could call that screening, but that certainly isn't testing. You could call that you know you know as we use this line here. Uh, aggressive COVID-19 testing and protocols at each state. That's a protocol. That's not testing. And the NHL and the NBA has yet to elaborate on what testing would be. Now, I understand why neither one of them have, because one, they're probably trying to figure it out. And two, they want to make sure that we're at a point when they make this announcement that COVID-19 tests are readily available. Are they readily available for everybody now? Not quite, but they are significantly more ready, available than they were back on August 11th when they had to test some 63 people in a traveling party for the Utah Jazz. And then they had to test everybody involved with the Oklahoma City Thunder as well. And they suffered a bit of you know backlash for that. So we're getting there but it's still, man, it's still pretty far away. There's still a lot of logistics to work out uh, even, even when the with the NHL. As a matter of fact, I don't even think... Let me make sure I've got this right here. Yeah, here it is. The players in the NHL have agreed on a format. So they've agreed on that playoff format that we just laid out. The NHL Players Association has not formally approved any actual return to finish the season. The league... And the Players Association uh, also must still figure out health and safety protocols, which we just talked about there, and solve other issues, including one we already talked about, where to play. Major League Baseball on the hand. Boy, I'm old enough to remember way back in March when Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball playoff, uh, uh, Players Association got together like two civilized unions and laid out a structure in how players would be paid during a reduction of regular season games, as well as uh, the potential doomsday situation in which the season was eliminated in its entirety. I remember that. I'm old enough to remember them laying out those parameters. But now we have a potential return to play And everyone is talking about this publicly. Rob Manfred. Oh, I expect this to get done. Yeah, we're confident. As soon as they submitted their proposal to the Players Association, oh, I'm confident this is going to get done. Yeah, 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 it's going to happen. Telling everyone who will listen. Here we are. Dude, what has it been? This is like the third or fourth week since they submitted that proposal. I thought baseball was going to be the first. I thought I was going to be watching daytime baseball. Daytime baseball in the middle of a freaking Tuesday. I thought I was going to be watching it. Nope. Can't get out of their own way. They absolutely cannot get out of their own way. So now, again, both teams, or excuse me, both entities, Major League Baseball and the Players Association, are negotiating publicly because when doesn't that work out well? When does public negotiations not work out? In everybody's favor. What we're hearing now is the proposed cutting the salaries. The major league baseball is proposing cutting the salaries of the highest paid players in baseball with the lowest paid players taking less lesser cuts from their uh, full prorated shares. That was part of the first economic proposal to the Players Association. How do you think the Players Association reacted to that? My silence was me waiting for you to all say very poorly. They did react poorly to that. Um, this economic plan is actually separate from the proposal that was sent to the Players Association several weeks ago. This proposal was given to the Players Association yesterday. Uh, sources said the highest players would receive uh, perhaps less than 40% of their full season salaries. For example, a player making thirty-five million dollars in twenty twenty would make about seven point eight million dollars. A player making ten million dollars would make two point nine, and a player earning one million dollars would receive a four hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars under the league's plan. A player making the baseball minimum, the Major League Baseball minimum, which is about five hundred sixty-three thousand would earn uh, about two hundred and sixty-two thousand in the upcoming year, uh, or upcoming season, I should say, prospective season. Sixty-five percent of all major league players, and this is a stat that I did not know until yesterday. Sixty-five percent of all major league players make less than one million dollars. Um. Okay cool remember the march agreement that we were talking about um, one in which the uh, so so part of the part of the particulars if you will to this march agreement which was just that it was an agreement um they believe uh, the, the march agreement they believe guarantees them a full prorated share uh, of their salary Uh, Under that deal, players would receive slightly less, or excuse me, slightly more than 50% of their agreed upon salary over an 82 game season. So you're basically talking about, you know, player A makes $10 million per year. Okay. Break that down per game played. That's what the players thought that they were signing up for. And it is not. And so what's the first thing you do when things go poorly? Well, you run to the media. And that's what these entities have been doing ever since the uh, original proposal, which involved more of you know, r- r- potential hubs. It, it involved a-, a potential 82-game season. It involves the particulars that the NHL announced to us yesterday. That's what was in the first proposal. That proposal hasn't even been agreed upon yet, and now we've got the financial proposal, which went even... We've got a proposal that's taken three weeks, hasn't been approved by the Players Association, hasn't been signed off on, whether it's been negotiated privately or it's all been done publicly. Who knows? That didn't even involve the money. The money came out yesterday. Baseball's never coming back. (laughs) Dude, baseball is never being played again, ever. Oh, man. Is this worse than the strike in in 94-ish? Is this worse? Or is it just dumber? Like, what did they agree on back in March? That's the that's the part that confuses me. Did baseball really not think that this was that bad, and so they went ahead and signed this agreement, and now they're trying to back out of it? Or maybe have they gotten a glimpse of what the full financial situation is for Major League Baseball as a whole? And players right now are looking at prorated salaries or nothing. And it appears some of them might be okay with taking nothing. Unfortunately, that stat that we just laid out there, uh, 65% of all major league players uh, make less than 1 million. That 65%. That's not, this is a, this is a horrible look for them. I mean, are you, hopefully you're saving money as much. I, a million dollars as a professional athlete. It's not a ton. I, I mean, we'll all take it. Don't, you know, please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. We'll all take it. It's not life-changing money. It's I live a good, comfortable life money, but it's not life-changing money because some of that's going to your agent. Uh, it's getting taxed in every state that you play in. You're probably comfortably losing 40 to 50% of that. Throw in your agent, you're probably losing 50 to 60% of that through taxes and through you know, agents, you've got union fees that you have to pay. So now we'll take that million dollars. Now, now, instead of, you know, being a high profile athlete or being a, 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 major league baseball player, suddenly you just have a really good paying job and you have the same, Hey, $400,000 is a hell of a paying job. Once you factor out all of the taxes and all of that different stuff. But now all of a sudden, Oh, you can't work. You can't work all of this year. And if you're a player, Making a million dollars, you're probably not guaranteed a spot on a roster next year. You're probably—I don't want to say year to year—but your placement in the league is likely a little bit more fragile. And again, that 65 percent when I came across that last night, man, that was jarring. So it looks like the NHL is on track. Uh, the NBA—I think next week. Next week is the week for us, right? Next week is a big week for everybody. It's the one-year anniversary of the podcast. We've got some fun things to announce there. It's the start of the Relive podcast. Uh, Our our look back at some of pro wrestling's greatest moments, by the way. Don't want you to miss anything, regardless of what your favorite platform is. You can go subscribe to that podcast right now. You can listen to the trailer that I put out. Just search it right now while we're talking. While I'm talking to you right now. You're in Apple Podcasts. Whatever podcast platform you're in. Just search Relive, R-E-L-I-V-E, with Damian Barling. Because you know I have to tag everything with Damian Barling. So you know it's me. Relive with Damien Barling. Hit the subscribe button. I don't, I don't want you to miss anything. And hit the five stars just because you, trust me, listen to the two-minute trailer. That's enough right there to be rated five stars. And if you can't wait for next Wednesday, if you can't wait for seven more days for this podcast to debut, man, I understand. And I thought of that. I thought of you to be exact. Go to patreon.com/slash barling and you can listen to the first two episodes right now. As a matter of fact, I'll post the third episode today. I'll post the third episode that focuses on WrestleMania 10. I will I, I, will post the third episode that I think is the best episode so far. You'll get access to the to the John Cena, uh, CM Punk Money in the Bank match, and everything that led to money, uh, CM Punk's departure from WWE. That was episode number two. You'll get episode number one, which focuses on Austin Heel, heel Turn at, at WrestleMania 17. Uh, it's entirely different than this podcast. It's entirely different than Be Conscious. It's different than The Lowdown. It is different, and I'm dying for you to hear it. Uh, So go hit subscribe on whatever. Search it right now. I'm not kidding. R e. I better see the subscription spike as well as the the five-star likes. So go check that out. If you're an old-school wrestling fan, I really think you're going to dig it. Even if you don't like wrestling right now, I think you're going to dig it. And if you like me, I think you're going to like the podcast. Okay. Now, on to the story that just won't go away. Michael Jeffrey Jordan and Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Isaiah is, so there's this podcast out. It's called The Dream Team Tapes. It's really weird because I talked about this book uh, that I had read like back in 2011, 12, 13, something like that by Jack McCollum. I kept calling him Jack McMullen, thinking of uh, Jack McMullen. but uh, Jack McCollum, he wrote what is defined as the, the just the definitive book on the 1992 Dream Team, and he had access to all of these guys. So he started a podcast kind of based off that book and based off of the interviews that he did for the book. They're called the dream team tapes. So in this, so if you know, you're familiar with the bookmaking process, when you're interviewing subjects, you take recorders to make sure that you get accurate quotes. He has all of these tapes and he was talking to Michael Jordan about the Isaiah Thomas situation, which he wrote about in the book. But here is Michael. The audio is a little rough by the way. This is a, a recorder from 10 years ago, I guess. But uh, this is Michael Jordan talking about Isaiah Thomas in the Dream Team. They called me to ask me to play. on call to say, I won't play with Isaiah Thomas on the team. He assured me he said, You know what? Chuck that boy, Isaiah. So Isaiah not going to be a part of the team. If you didn't hear, he said, I don't want to play if Isaiah Thomas is on the team. Okay, so, so call me crazy here. This is what Jordan said on the Last Dance. He said, uh, "No matter how much I hate him, I respect his game." Now it was insinuated the, uh, that I was asking about him, but I never threw his name uh, in there. Uh, if you wanted to attribute to me, go ahead, be my guest. But it wasn't me. There's the clip of him talking uh, to Marv Albert back then, and there's 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 all of these different things. What Jordan said in in in. Please 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 correct me if I'm wrong. What Jordan said is in in the last dance. I was under the impression that it came from the higher ups that Isaiah Thomas wasn't going to be a part of the team. Now, I don't know if he talked about how his feelings. I don't know if he, you know, you know, uh, he he said he told Rod Thorne that, right? He told Rod Thorne that he wasn't going to play if Isaiah was playing. But listen, listen to what he followed that up with. Just listen one more time. I know this is dumb. Sorry. They called me to ask me to play. Rod Thorn called me said, "Rod, I won't play with Isaiah Thomas." Said, me he is true. he said, "You know what? Chuck doesn't want Isaiah." So Isaiah's not here. Okay, stop right there. I'm not going to play if Isaiah is part of the team. Doesn't if what Michael Jordan is saying right there, and Rod Thorn says to him, "Yeah, Chuck doesn't want Isaiah." Isn't that exactly what Jordan said? That it came from higher up? That he's not, he he didn't, you know, he might have put it out there, but Isaiah wasn't already a part of the team. It, it it's I, I'm I'm just confused as to why this is such a big deal. And oh, by the way, let's play the All-Star Game Snub game here. Since since all of a sudden, the, 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 the sports media world, whether they're, they're angry at Michael Jordan or, or for some ungodly freaking reason, they want to jump on the freaking jock of Isaiah Thomas. Who do you take off? You comfortable taking off John Stockton? Now, I know John Stockton was injured. I know John Stockton wasn't 100%. And I know John Stockton didn't play a ton of minutes for the Dream Team. Is that your argument there? John Stockton should have been off the team? And not Isaiah Thomas? Or, or, yeah, John Stockton should have been off the team and Isaiah Thomas should have been on it? Come on, man. This, is, this story has got to go away. And I can't wait till tomorrow when Mike Greenberg and his tough questioning, he calls on Isaiah Thomas and asks Isaiah Thomas to get in his feelings now that this podcast, now that this audio clip of Michael Jordan has been released about him uh, saying, Rod, uh, I, I won't play if Isaiah Thomas is on the team. Oh, I can't wait to get Isaiah's in-my-feelings reaction to that. Because, oh, by the way, let's not forget, Magic didn't like you, Larry Bird strongly disliked you, and Scottie Pippen hated your ass. Oh, and you had just walked off the floor before the final buzzer against the Chicago Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals. Making Isaiah Thomas out to be a martyr because some people want to jump on the back of Michael Jordan right now is 2020's second to worst story. Listen on a happy note, and I don't know that this is a this is a happy note. I wanted this story to be true so bad. I had read from Mike Florio last week on Pro Football Talk that there was a belief amongst many who were studying the XFL. I remember, Mike Florio's an, a, an attorney, they were following the court proceedings. With the XFL and bankruptcy and everything that's going on with, you know, Oliver Luck and the dueling lawsuits and all of that stuff. And there was a belief that Vince McMahon was actually attempting to purchase or at the very least was considering purchasing the XFL out of bankruptcy. That is a phenomenal story. But it turns out it's not true. Vince McMahon said in his deposition yesterday that I don't know why that's out there making me out to be the bad guy that I'm going to buy the XFL for pennies on the dollar. Uh, That helped me move into the direction of I'm not going to be a bidder, not going to have anything to do with it. I do hope that someone will pay a lot of money for it. And I do hope that it will survive. So, what Vince McMahon is saying is that he was absolutely contemplating buying the XFL out of bankruptcy for pennies on the dollar, and the fact that it became public, he decided, uh, maybe I'm not going to do that. According to Jerry, uh, according to um, McMahon's attorneys, uh, and I don't know if it's Jerry McDivitt in this case. I'm so used to Jerry McDivitt being his attorneys, but uh, uh, according to uh, the brokerage firm that is working with the XFL, they said there are 20 potential buyers, 20 potential purchasers that have signed non-disclosure agreements to gain access to confidential company data. An additional six potential purchasers are in the process of signing similar agreements, according to this legal document. So this isn't this isn't posturing uh, by McMahon's brokerage company or the sorry the XFL's brokerage company. There are legal documents that have said all of this is happening right now. So there are... My hope would be, and I don't know why, but I feel like this would be such a great story. My hope is someone buys the XFL and it becomes insanely successful. I'm not talking about compete with the NFL successful... I'm talking about just as, hey, XFL, maybe an alternative to the NFL, maybe uh, for guys who don't make the NFL, Uh, maybe an alternative for guys who don't want to go to college for three years. It's an alternative here. I hope that that happens, that that would be such the cherry on top of the XFL story. I uh, appreciate you so much for tuning in. I'm going to plug the Patreon account one more time because we need your support here on the podcast. Uh, Patreon.com slash Damien Barling. If that's too hard to remember, just go to DamienBarling.com. There is a button in the upper left-hand corner. It screams Patreon. Just click on that. Pick your tier. Be Conscious is returning this week. I'm going to post a new episode of Relive there this week and ahead of its uh, full release uh, one week from today. Uh, you get different little things that I post there. Uh, there, there there's some good incentives there. Uh, and with the Sacramento Kings potentially returning here, uh, coming up pretty soon, uh, there's going to be some Sacramento Kings incentives as well. So go check that out at patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Appreciate your support. If you haven't rated or reviewed this show, make sure you do that. Go search out Relive with Damien Barling on your favorite podcast platform. And we will see how the news develops. And we'll see you here tomorrow on the podcast with Damien Barling.